0: Hello and welcome into the nitty gritty podcast brought to you by the good folks at New Amendment. I am your host John Sauber, joined once again and as always by a former NBA player, current player in Greece for Athens, Tim Fraser. Tim, how you doing? Good man. How's it going, John? Uh, well, I am. Uh, I'm going to be glued to my phone today. Uh, this is trade deadline day. listen as as the outside of this right? Like not the guy. Uh, being traded uh it's a lot of fun i will stare at twitter and uh beg for the sixers to to do things uh it is one of my favorite (laughs) pastimes on deadline day uh i'm sure though from your perspective this is not fun right well you at least don't have to worry about it now i'm sure that's one of the advantages of playing overseas uh but what is that like to be on deadline day knowing like other people are excited too right like people like me are like sitting there like all excited how are you feeling during this day
1: I just know during during my times, you know, in the NBA around this time, I was it's it's very nerve wracking because you never know what's going on. You don't know the angle. Sometimes I, I felt like some years I felt oh I'm good, no worries, you know, or I, I had a no trade clause or something like that that was in there, you know, that I was good, no no worries. But this time can be very nerve wracking for a lot of people because we think it it, it it doesn't just affect the player, you know, it affects families as well. You know, we're telling families hey uh, if I'm getting traded, when we talk about coach to coach from we speak on. Mikael Bridges uh, from the West Coast all the way to the East Coast. You know, now we're talking about moving over with him and his family or, you know, whoever he's with all the way up to the different coasts. If he has kids, you know, that his kids have to find new schools or does does he or do they stay back? And and it's just the, the, the fear of the unknown goes a long ways in, 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 in these situations. You know, I, you know, I talked to you about it earlier. Just this time in free agency is one of the nervous times. Obviously, you know, free agency is like, okay, you get the sound for all this money, but it's, you don't. First off, you, you literally don't know the ball is in is not in your, in your hands, and you can't control it. Like even now, especially during a trade deadline, you really have no control. Like you could be doing everything right with your team, you could be playing the right way, or you could be coming off one of the best games in your career. But for you know one of the higher ups, somebody comes asking, and KD's is for a trade. You can you can eventually be put in there as bait, <laughs> or or just to make the uh, the icing on the cake to get that trade done. You know you really have no control. So. I know me personally, it's a, it's a nerve wracking around this uh, nerve wracking for for me and my family around this time.
0: Yeah. And, and like, you know, we talked about this uh, pre-pod, but like TJ Warren did not request a trade from the Nets. Like, listen, he might be happy to go back to Phoenix. We don't know. Right. Like he might be uh, thrilled to go chase the title and everything, but he was not the one that wanted the trade from the Nets. Right. It was KD and he just got tagged along like and now yeah. he's going back to Phoenix uh, where he was. You know, reportedly pretty desperately to get pretty desperate to get out of back in the day. So, yeah, man, listen, I uh, I like my job a lot. Right. I like traveling and everything. I would not like having to uproot my entire life starting at 2 a.m. on a Wednesday or a Thursday. (laughs) Right. Like that is not fun. That does not sound like a good time, Uh, but it is. It's wild, like I said. I enjoy it a lot, and I've, as you know, as I've gotten older, I've like tried to understand, like, hey, these are people who are getting their lives uprooted. But at the end of the day, I'm also sitting on the trade machine until 3 a.m. trying to figure out Mm -hmm. ways to get Mikkel Bridges rerouted back to Philadelphia, where he's from. I'm sure that would make him happy. I'll I'll justify it that way, right? He's from Philly, like that's what he wants. I'm doing, I'm doing him a solid by uh, making all those fake trades. Uh, but it, yeah, it was wild. Like the, the KD trade broke last night as I was driving home from the Bryce Jordan Center covering uh, the the Penn State-Wisconsin game last night. And man, what a what a whirlwind of uh, feelings about the sport of basketball um, in that like four hours, right? Like the one of the most exciting trades that you'll see in season in NBA history um, that came right after a, I don't want to say brutal, uh, but a not fun game to watch, right? Like it was kind of uh, plodding and, and it lacked some juice to it. Ah, uh, this is probably as good of a time as ever to get into the X's and O's of what happened there. The last two games for Penn State have been—I feel like saying disastrous—is hyperbole, but they kind of have been disastrous, right? From an NCAA tournament perspective, losing on the road at Nebraska—a uh, game that that they, you know, should have won because they're more talented than that team—and we talk about the road wins, but we we also pointed to that one all season as like that's how yeah. you make up for it—you beat Nebraska, you beat Minnesota. Minnesota's still coming up, of course. We talked about last week, like you got to win your home games, right? Wisconsin's a beatable team. We thought they should go two and zero in that stretch. They went zero and two, and now like it feels like everything's been turned upside down on this team.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's tough, you know, and and I and I know they're got They have to be feeling it, and I think it's and what we've talked about from the beginning how big of a uh the deal for the, for them to go two and zero because obviously we have the aspirations. I like that we assume they do to become NCAA tournament team. And, and to drop these two when you really need those two to really you know keep yourself in the hunt, you know. At the last time I had looked, I think last week we we were first four out, or you know we were close, you know, in the bubble, first four in, first four out. And if you look back in the last week or two and you're making a tournament and a um, an early projection of the other bracket, and now you, it's no way in me personally to see that we are still there. You know, those are two bad losses that you needed that we needed to win to really keep ourselves on track to solidify ourselves in the NC to make an NCAA tournament, uh, be it. Do I think it's over? No, I don't think it's over. I, you know, I think, you, you know, you still have a total what, I mean, seven more games left, maybe six or seven more games left in the big 10. And, you know, any, and as we've seen anything can happen you know, as far as, you know, knocking off teams and getting big wins and just taking care of business. Uh, it's hard to tell, to say, Hey, we want this Penn state team to go seven and zero right now, then then get into the big 10 tournament. Is it possible? Yes. Is it likely? Probably not. But um, something's going to have to change and, and for them to con- continue these aspirations of making the tournament. They have to step up in a big way. And I think it's not just um, one guy or two guys that we need to step up or the freshmen to step up. We need literally everybody to step up because, as you can see, these last two games, like, as you would say, were disastrous because from top to bottom from everybody. Yeah, we might have had a player that played well, but it didn't impact the game enough for them to win.
0: Yeah. And, and I, I think you bring up a really good point and that it's not over. And, and I, I will dive into that a little more later, because I think that is a really good point that it's not, the door is not closed. Uh, is, I think mm-hmm. is the best way to put it. But these last two were like, man, watching that Nebraska game, it, it never felt like Penn state was going to win it. And I know that's like a silly thing to say, right? I'm sitting at home watching it, but like, it really did feel like they, that every time they tried to punch back that Nebraska pulled away, right? Nothing they could do was, was kind of going to go right. And And some of it is, uh, effort defensively. Right. But some of it is like, uh, Tomonaga is not going to score 30 a game. And I can prove that by the fact that he averages 10 a game, right? Like it is just not a thing that happens. And he was lighting them up and it was like, they were contested shots. Like if, if you had contested it more, you would have fouled, right? Like that was the bottom line and he was making them and, and, you know, you just kind of have to eat it in those situations. Um, but I think there was something that happened that was really interesting between the two games. So we had our, our weekly media availability on Monday with Micah, and uh, Jalen Pickett was also available. And, man, this was the most dejected I've seen Micah in, in the year, and year plus, almost two years that he's been at Penn mm-hmm. State. Uh, he was – there was no opening statement, which is not a thing that usually happens. Uh, right. There was no uh, – he was he was a little more brief with his answers. Uh, at one point I asked him, like we were, we were ha- about, so it's usually 20 minutes of availability and about 10 minutes in, like we had asked like eight questions already. Right. Like, uh, I the other reporters like it, and we were, that's far more, that's usually a full presser, right? Like that's not right, usually right. 10 minutes in, uh, and he'll give us long, good answers. But he was like, I, I just asked him, I was like, how are you feeling? Right. Like, because it was, it was very, very clear that he was not, uh, what we're used to seeing at least. Right. I don't want to say not himself because I don't want to speak for him, but he was not what we were used to seeing. Um, And he, you know, he talked about his focus on Wisconsin and everything and how he wanted to, you know, to hone in on that. But it was I noticed something was was kind of off there. And then uh, and and he he didn't necessarily agree with with what I'm about to say. But I I still, you know, I saw it like it's what I saw Um, at the game last night against Wisconsin. He did not seem as demonstrative uh, as usual in the first half. He did not seem as. And I, I, this was the, the phrasing he disagreed with. Uh, I, I asked if he was not as into it. He said he was, but like it just seemed like he was not as engaging, maybe is the, the better word for it, um, during the first half of the game. And then there was a, a point in the second half, about halfway through, where Andrew Funk, as he has all season, got grabbed off the ball and they didn't call it, and he kind of got into it with the refs. And then he started to be more engaged uh, with the right. game, more encouraging. Uh, I would like the, the, the moments I, I could point to, like, there was a big three that that was made by by Penn State. I think it was uh, halfway through the first half, or maybe it was in the early halfway before the funk thing happened in the second half, where Micah just kind of didn't react and had his arms crossed, right? And that's that's kind of not been him this year. And they made they made a shot at the buzzer or just before the buzzer to end the first half, and there was no like it didn't bring any juice, right? Like it was yeah. he just wasn't as as um, as like I said, as demonstrative. And I thought that was noticeable, and I thought it was notable too because. The team kind of followed that in the first half. They they lacked some of the energy. Uh, but when 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 I thought they picked it up is when he picked it up uh, in yeah. engagement wise. And I thought they really did a good job of responding. Um, and you have to respond in those moments. And I thought he kind of seemed like himself again in, in the second part of the second half and in overtime. Uh, but I like I can't I couldn't shake this idea. And that's why I asked him about it, it as the first question of the press conference because I was curious. Post game, I asked him about like. Was he just not as into it? Like, what was going on? He said, uh, no, he was into it, he didn't notice any changes, um, or anything like that. But, but to me, like, that it was it, he was kind of a mirror of the energy. Like, the team didn't have yeah. the energy in the first half, and I wonder if that was because maybe he didn't have the energy or what was going on. Because the crowd, as you know, Bryce Jordan Center Wednesday night, two <laughs> losses in a row, it ain't gonna be great, yeah. uh, and like, so like, the energy kind of was lacking last night, and I think that was that sort of all parties were responsible for that,
1: yeah. I- I agree, you know, it's all parties are, are, are definitely responsible, but I, I, I do pull it, put some of that on some of the other players as well, you know what I mean? Because we are all human and, and and it is hard to, you know, bring it every day. You know, I'm obviously the best bring it every day and I'm not saying that Micah didn't bring it, but it obviously it was noticeable for us to see that it wasn't the same as the previous two games, you know, Purdue and, and um, Nebraska. And we can see that. And I, and I, and I put that on as a, as a players, because, as we talk about this in basketball it's always about the next man next-man mentality if, if if coach is not at 100 and he's at 90 you know or he's at 85 you know we need somebody else to help pick it some lundy Dredd, somebody needs to help pick that up and, and, and change that around because it, as you as you said and you could see later on he was able to pick it up something had to happen and i think that is needed to derive from everybody not it was it was great that you brought this up because it's not just a coach him not having that injury uh, that that energy, because you know, now you talk about Pickett as well. You know, Pickett has some questionable shots, and he missed some bunnies that he really need. He really usually made it, makes, and he needs somebody else to pick him up. And it's a, and it's a chain effect that goes all the way down the line. When Funk's not making shots, somebody has to pick him up, and 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 Dredd as well, and Lundy as well. We need everybody to continue to pick each other up and, and bring the energy and bring the juice. So you know, for Coach to not be at his best, which you know, I, you know, it's hard to really tell that because sometimes. You know, coaches go into what, I, what I've learned and coaches go into different games with different mentalities as far as like, hey, you know, what I mean, maybe, you know, this isn't for the, the rah-rah to hear not needed. You know, what I mean, the players need to be able to, you know, get this up together because obviously you and I both don't know what was said before the game or, you know, leading up to the game as well. But I as far as the energy standpoint, you know, the coach can't make you bring energy. You know, what I mean, that's something that a player has to be able to do. It has to go in every night and say, "Hey, you know, I'm stepping in the line and I want to win. So I'm gonna do whatever I need to do to win. So I'm gonna bring the energy that I need." And like you said, you didn't see that, and you towards you see it towards the end of the, towards the end of the game. And now we see, you know, it starts to come because the game's on the line because they knew that they knew they needed to to win that game and they felt like they needed to win. So ours like, okay, now we're just getting crunch time and we're not winning like we're supposed to be winning. And you know, you started you you saw it start to pick up.
0: Yeah. And, and I think like, you know, I, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. And I think, I, I, I you know, maybe some people would take it as a criticism that I don't think he was energetic, but I, I like, mm-hmm. it's, it's part of what makes Micah who he is, right? We talked yep. about this. He's really genuine. And like, I don't know. I appreciate someone that, listen, we all have bad days at work, right? Right. <laughs> like right. I have, there are plenty of days where I'm sitting staring at my laptop for four hours and I've got like 20 words and I'm like, this is not good. Like this is not productive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not to say he wasn't productive or wasn't helping, but again, like it's, you're right. He's human, right? Like we all right. have days and, and whether he had a day like that or not, like, and again, he, he disagreed with that, which he's, you know, more than allowed to do. Right. Uh, but it is, it is, it is important you're right that the players then make up for that energy yep. um and it's not always a great thing to just be a mirror of the coach right because mm-hmm. if the coach is frustrated sometimes that can that can that can bleed into the play and everything uh, there was another moment that i thought was uh notable late in the game where uh, michael was I, I, we couldn't hear what he was saying obviously up in press row But he was saying something to Andrew Funk, and then Funk kind of got, like, visibly frustrated on the court. It might have been – it was a coach, I should say. Like, Mm -hmm. I think – I believe it was Micah, but it could have been another coach that was also saying something to him. And, like, I think that's just – it's, again, not a criticism of any parties involved. I think it's a good indication of the frustration levels, maybe, of where they're at and what's happening, right? Because they've lost three in a row for a team that internally expected to make the NCAA tournament, right? And as you and I talked about, and I've talked about all season – That was a reasonable expectation. So I wonder if some guys are feeling that pressure. And Micah talked about in the press conference on Monday, you know, he said he'll be uh, head coach next year, right? Like this is not the end of basketball for him. Some of these guys, it is the end of basketball and that will be it, right? Like maybe you play overseas, maybe you get a cup of coffee in the G League or in the NBA, whatever. But like for a lot of these guys and these guys that are graduating, this is it. And he so is he said that as kind of a way to be like, you need to act like this is it. Right. And yeah. and I wonder if that is kind of manifested in some like pressure on guys' shoulders that maybe, you know, I'm sure it can help, right? But at times I'm sure when things are going badly, it can it can amplify the negative. Um, but I thought it was really interesting to see. I, I will say that was it didn't feel as much like a backbreaker as maybe it could have last night, mm-hmm. right? Like losing to Wisconsin because of the way they handled the second half of the the second half of the second half and overtime and because of the way they responded yes it has to suck for them that they lost when they managed to come back push it into overtime and like you know pick it fouls out but by then it's kind of already over anyways and like yeah. you're kind of feeling like it, i understand feeling down and everything after a game that you had a chance to win that could have like righted the ship but it did not feel like the kind of loss to me that it could have been right like they if they go in there and get their, their doors blown off and lose by 20 then it's like you and I are having a very different conversation and it's probably happening later in the day because I'm probably writing a very long story right now about how much of a disaster (laughs) things are, right? That isn't the case, right? Like it is, it is, it's not what happened. It is, it's not good, right? Like things, I'm not going to, you know, we're not sunshine and rainbows here. Like it is not good right now. They have lost three in a row for a team that should be good enough and is talented enough uh, and has a good enough coach to make the NCAA tournament. And right now they, they're not even close to that position. And, I'll be curious to see how they respond because I, I don't know I, I think the it, it is easier to come back from that type of loss last night than like I said the one where it's a blowout and it's like well shit it's over
1: right right but you did mention a lot about the pressure that's coming up, coming with this and I think like you said you know this is a team full of seniors with high expectations and the pressure is coming and the pressure is filled and I know with Michael you know he feels that everybody's feeling this pressure because this team is supposed to be an NCAA tournament team and I know, and we, you know, I both have spoke about how Micah is as a person, and you know, I know he's going to feel like if they, if they don't achieve that, that there is some failure in this season. So I, I know the pressure is there, and you don't want to, you know, what I mean, you don't want to lose these three games in a row. You know, you're going to look back on that, just like we said earlier about the loss to um, the loss to Michigan State, or, or you know, or earlier in the year we're going to say, hopefully we don't we don't look back on that or the first loss to, to Wisconsin, and we're going to look back on that and be like, man. Damn, you know, what I mean, that's gonna that's that's what's keeping us out of the tournament. And I know the these these two back to back losses after the Purdue game, which you know Purdue was number one at the time, it's gonna is gonna hurt because if, if if that's what's gonna stop the uh, the team from being able to make the NCAA tournament, they're gonna look back on it and say, hey, we let we let one get away from us from from achieving our goal. So the pressure's there, and I think that when the pressure's there, everybody gets tense and tight. And right now, they need something to happen as far as somebody, a player, a coach whatever or someday to be able to somebody to be able to step up and, and, and write the ship to get back to get back to rolling and get back to doing the things that you're supposed to do because at the end of the day like what I've learned and what I know is playing in my career that man this is a game of basketball it's great it's the you know it's, it's you have to go out there and you have to have fun you put all this pressure on yourself worried about trade deadlines how many points I'm going to do if I'm going to be here and do that and it'll take away from the, the joy of, of, of what you're doing because it is special you're a select few you know people, select few guys that are able to play and put the Penn State uniform on and, and and play for your play for your school play for yourself and and continue to achieve and go for your dreams so man I, the fun has to get back and I think you see that a little bit that the fun wasn't there and it was more so like hey we have to do this so they're putting a lot on top of their shoulders to be like hey, when we're they, they're looking at their stuff like we're not playing the best but we're down but we got to fight back and that's what you said about being able to write this ship from the last game because i said they were able to come back or fight send the game in overtime and it's basically saying hey man we got maybe some of that stuff off our back to knowing that hey we still are a good team we can still do what we need to do but right now it has to be a a, a medium between the guys that are in that locker room to understand like hey man we still have seven Conference games to go, and we gotta we gotta do some things that you know a lot of people think that we're not gonna be able to do, but we can do it if we put our minds together.
0: Yeah, and and I think there are positives to take from those last two games, especially too, right? Like, and one of the things, and I don't think we've probably talked about it enough because I don't think really anyone's talking about it enough, but. Seth lundy has been awesome this year, right? Yeah. Like, you, yeah, you yeah. talk – everyone, like, Pickett gets the attention, and for good reason. Seth Lundy has been their most consistent player. Like, outside of one game, I think it was Wisconsin on the road maybe. Uh, maybe it might have been Rutgers. Uh, but, like, he, where he, like, kind of no-showed. He's been incredible. And, like, last night that was the case again. He hits the game-tying three, uh, you know, with uh, less than 30 seconds on the clock over, uh, a, you know, a contest from a defender, like, fading away in the, on the wing. Like, he did not have room to shoot that shot, mm-hmm. and he made it. Um, he's been incredible on both ends of the court and, uh, Keba Jai, by the way, to someone okay. we, we said was young and developing and needed time has looked good. The last two games, right? Like it, it seems like something is kind of flipped there. And like, they, I, so I don't want to be all doom and gloom. There are positives. It's just really hard to talk about those things when it's in the middle of three losses, right? Like it is, okay. it's a tough, it's a tough situation. Uh, and it's not, it's not where they wanted to be. Right. And I think that matters quite a bit. Um, but this is a good time to get into the scouting report. Of what's to come because what's to come is really really important first up game against maryland on the road saturday maryland has not lost at home in conference play this season uh and then they followed up by taking on illinois at home a team they've already beat uh and they when they did it on the road so like you would think they have a chance there and this is this is why and we can get into the deeper conversation which you brought up earlier now this is why i don't think it's time to completely slam the door shut right like this is why I think because so, I, so I'm so I writing the story a little inside baseball for everyone last night I'm writing my story right it's just a, a five takeaway story because it was like there wasn't a ton going on uh the last takeaway was like that the season's on the brink and like I'm, I'm finishing the, the takeaway and I'm writing like well the reason that it's on the brink is because they have all of these tough matchups and then you look at the schedule and it's like well I mean, yeah, Maryland's tough, but, like, Maryland has, like, no no great shooting and, like, are susceptible to teams that can light it up from beyond the arc. It's like, all right, well, then Illinois it's like, well, they already beat Illinois. It's like, okay, Minnesota, it's a road game, but, like, Minnesota's pretty bad. It's like, all right, well, then you have Ohio State on the road. It's like, well, Ohio State's been terrible, too. And then, you know, Rutgers like, oh, well, that's a home game. Rutgers just lost my Watt Mag for the year to a torn ACL, uh, which you hate to see. Then you, you get Northwestern on the road and then Maryland again at home. It's like you pointed all of those. It's like. They could feasibly win any of those games, right? Like on an individual basis. Uh, And that's what makes these next two so important, right? Because when you can look at the schedule, uh, and again, I (laughs) I feel like we've been fairly doom and gloom so far. And for me to look at the schedule and be like, oh, but it's probably not over yet. Like it's a good sign, right? Like it shows that you still have a chance. They play like they did in the first half last night and they play like they did against Nebraska. They don't have a chance. But if they can get back to what they were doing, playing how they were playing, they got to focus. And again, it's their job to focus one game at a time. I get that. But it is it is not over, over. It is tenuous right now, to say the least. Right. Like things are not in a good spot, but it is not completely over. And I think that's that's really important, right? Because if they go into Maryland and win, it changes everything. I don't think they're going to win against Maryland. And that's important to say, too. But they have a chance. And right now it's a projected seven point loss to Maryland, uh, according to Ken Palm. That is the only game with a projected margin of five or greater for Penn State the rest of the year, whether it's a win or a loss. Right. Like mm-hmm. everything is projected to be that tight. Um, and it is, you know, it, it's probably not going to feel good if they lose against Maryland. Because If they lose against Maryland, then they're on a four game losing streak heading uh, back home to face Illinois. Yeah. But like the world has not ended. The season is not completely over. Yes, it is, like I said, it's in a very bad place, but but this is a Maryland team that's gettable. Like I said, not not a bunch of great shooters. Dante Scott's really good. Julian Moore's really good. Like this is a, a or Julian excuse me, is really good. Uh this is a good team. Uh but it is susceptible. Uh Jameer Young's been their leading scorer all year. It's been been great uh, off the dribble, um, attacking the rim. But, like, this is, again, if, if you look stylistically, like, I don't want to be the guy that talks themselves into, like, Penn State's going to win every game. But, like, you look at that game and it's like, all right, well, they might catch them. It's noon on a Saturday. You know who likes playing games at noon on a Saturday? Nobody. Because no. I don't like covering them. So, I damn well know nobody <laughs> likes playing. Uh, so, like, are you going to be able to catch some people off guard? I don't know, man. Like, it every time I want to, like, you know, pat the, pat the grave, put the final nail on the coffin, it's like. Man, the door really is just just cracked ajar
1: enough that if they can push through it, that things could change quickly. Yeah, I and mean, as cliche as it my sound, you have to believe, and that team has to believe. You know, I know coach is going to come in there and do and have his team prepared. You know, they just have to believe because you know you've seen wild things happen. You know, when, who says that they can't go to win the next seven or six six out of seven or five out of seven? You know, like you said, these these games are all winnable. You know, they're gonna to be tough. Like they're they're all winnable for sure. You know, and it's nobody you're sitting there and like ah, you're facing you know Purdue at Purdue. You know, which is at the number one team in the country. None of these teams are, are are somebody that you're like ah, I don't know if we're going in there like ah, it's gonna to be tough. Like we're gonna have to be have have to play you know a plus basketball to win. All these all these teams and, and games are, are winnable just by playing the way that Penn State can play. If they play the way they can play, if they play shoot how they shot against Michigan. If they play how they played against Illinois the first time, we talk about them. All, you know, they they can easily run off these next seven, or you know, five out of seven, or or, or whatever is necessary. And and I think that gives you enough. Is just the the belief of being able to be have a positive record out of these next seven, and going into the tournament playing the right way of basketball and the best basketball that they can go into into the NCAA, into the Big Ten tournament. And if you could do that, and I, you know, I still think that that people believe outside, you know, the guys that are going to have the votes, they still believe that Penn State is a is a tournament team. Just off the the guys that we have, with Pickett getting all the attention that he has, with we'll Coach, you know, what he's done, and just all the the supporting cast, people believe that this is an NCAA team. They just have to be able to show it and put the wins together for it to be not a debate. You know, what I mean, because I think if it comes down to it, and there's a debate, debate against. You know, I mean, somebody else in Penn State, you know, the other team in the school that's been there the most is probably going to get that edge over Penn State because, you know, the track record of Penn State is that we don't make the NCAA tournament and and, and that'll go. And that's going to happen. And that's how it's going to be. But I believe it. man. I, I do believe they can turn it around. You know, I mean, obviously, you need everybody to take up another notch. You need pick like it's, it's, it's hard to ask, but you are telling pick it. Hey, you have to pick it up. You know, I mean, you have to do more. You know, obviously you do a a lot and you get all this, the the recognition of, you know, one of the best players in the country. But in order for you to take this team to the next spot, you got to do more. You have to look in the mirror and say, hey, I got to be better. Lundy, Funk, everybody, Dredd, Ajay, everybody from top to bottom, Winter, they have to look in the mirror and as men and understand it like, hey, man, I have to do more than what I'm doing now. Because what I'm doing now, yeah, it's okay. We, you know, we win one, lose one. You know, we we beat Michigan, we beat Illinois, but then we lose to Wisconsin, lose to Nebraska. And, and if that's the way we want to keep going, then we have to take those aspirations of the NCAA tournament out the door. But if we do want to achieve something that's very, very special and it's something that, you know, most Penn State teams don't get a chance to do, you know, as a, you know, I don't know when was the last time, it was in two thousand 11 my year when When I was there if you take away obviously the, the great things that that team that with the COVID year did weren't able to make it but obviously they were going to make it and, and, do, and do some damage if you want to achieve something special you have to look in the mirror first and you have to go in and say hey man I, it started it should have started last night after the game you know what I mean we got to get better we sit in the locker room what do we want to do and I've been on teams where I've had you know, I mean, we've had these meetings. You know, we lose a couple. We sit there, it's like, and you know, obviously the leader or somebody—not even the leader—somebody steps up and it's like, hey, what are we doing? What is that? What is our goal? You know, are, are we here just to be here? Are we just you know having fun just you know, this, or do we have an end goal? And what do we need to do as, a, as as a group, not as an individual, but as a group to be able to get to that goal that we need to do? And I mean, hopefully, that was called last night because I, I I do think it's the door's not closed, but it, it, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's creaking. To being able to to be enclosed and and something needs to be changed. Somebody needs to step up. Some meeting needs to be called. And, and you know what I mean. They have to get back to the having fun in the game of basketball, but as well be on their on, on top of their p's and q's and understand what 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 you have ahead of you. We have seven games to be able to to right this ship and 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 achieve something that Penn State programs don't don't aren't able or don't usually do. And, and, and the time is now and it's not tomorrow. It's not later on down the road. It's time is now to be able to fix that and, and get ahead yeah, in the right direction.
0: Yeah. And, and to to the players credit and usually the door to the practice gym is open on the way out. And that's the, yeah. you know, the, the door I walk out to go to the media yeah. parking lot. Uh, usually that is open. You can see some guys working in there. Uh, that music was loud. The doors were closed and the music was loud. I'm going to bet yeah. there were quite a few guys in there working, uh, after mm-hmm. the game was over, which I think for the program is a positive sign. Um, and something that, that you want to see, but, but yeah, I, I think like, and you're right, like they, it, the time is now, right. They have to change it. And, and that starts with Maryland. Um, yeah. as, like I said, I don't think that's a game they're going to win, but if they go out and do it, everything changes so quickly. Like everything drastically shifts, right? You you suddenly like, you know, you're you're back to where you were, to where you don't have a margin for error. You're back to where you were after Nebraska, right? That's yeah. uh, where where the you don't have a margin for error, but it's still attainable because you just got to win your home games and beat Minnesota on the road. So essentially, they've got to steal two on the road now, right? Like yeah. it is, uh, that is that's where the math is on the season, and or they have to go on a deep run into the Big Ten tournament, which they could. Like I'm not rolling that out either. But but like I think this is like they have to make that shift, um, and, and I think you know this is we can we can dive into the word on campus here. Listen, the NCAA tournament is not the end game for most programs. I think for this one, it has become that, and like I think it I think they really need it right now. Right, like this this program really needs to make the NCAA tournament this year because there is more to this and we talked about this last week right like uh, so many of these guys are gone they they desperately need to do something before it turns over to the young guys or another another group of transfers maybe right like another group of transfers that are trying to get the job done but like this is not this is not the time to wilt it is not the time to like you said like to just like go home and give up and call it a year. Uh, Because as Micah said, like, this is it for a lot of these guys. And like, you know, Miles Dredd didn't play until there were four minutes left in the first half last night, by the way, like that. That's a message sent as far as I'm concerned, right? Like it is not. I don't think that's a coincidence. Micah got asked about it after the game and he said that it was his decision. There was no, like, I think it's pretty clear, right? That a message was sent on some level there. And so like it the situation should be dire from the standpoint of like this needs to be a year where they get the job done with this. Um, because by the way, if it gets worse, they're not on the on the NCA tournament bubble, they're in the NIT bubble. And like you don't know if you're getting into the NIT after what we saw early in the season. That's that's actual disaster, right? Like yeah. that is that as bad as it gets, and like on the precipice of, of everything falling apart. Um, but yeah, like they they are not that far out of it, right? The Big Ten is a mess right now. It's a fun mess. I'm very much enjoying watching it from night to night. Uh, But, like, they're three games out of second place. Mm -hmm. Three games out. Like, it is not that far off. Uh, And I believe, as of right now, Michigan is in second place, which uh, I got to tell you is not a thing that I saw coming, uh, and I don't think anyone saw coming. Yeah, Michigan, Rutgers, and Indiana all tied for second place, 8-5 in the conference. Uh, By the way, Penn State has beaten both Michigan and Indiana this year. Uh, And they have a chance to knock off Rutgers in the Bryce Jordan Center later. Uh, Next up in the conference, Illinois, who they've also beaten. Then you get to Northwestern, who they haven't played yet. And then Iowa, who they've beaten. So, like, this is not this insurmountable task ahead, right? Like you said, I think you put it well. They're not playing Purdue. And it's funny, you know. I could see you like searching for another team to say with that. It's because there is no other team. It's Purdue, <laughs> right? Like it's, it's the only team that scares you the rest of the way. Like it's, it's, it's only Purdue and, and they they got those two out of the way and maybe they have to face them in the big 10 tournament. Uh, if things go poorly, but yeah, like, ev- like I said, when I was writing that story last night, I was looking for the, like, okay, they're too far out of it. It's kind of impossible. And then you just look at it like, no, they're not like they win last night, by the way. And things are, and this is why I think they're probably pretty dejected, rightfully so. Uh, they had a real shot to like completely flip it all right like to to be uh, in a really really good spot five and eight in the conference is not great of course like i'm not going to pretend it is but again it's also three games back from second place because the the conference is such a jumbled mess and they get to face teams 13 and 14 uh each this year or the rest of the year both of them on the road so again there's your chances for two losses to pick up or wins to pick up on the road against ohio state minnesota and like Yeah. Like every time I, like I said, every time I want to pat the grave, like you just, you take the step back and be like, am I evaluating this properly? Because that's part of my job, right? Is evaluating this and making sure that I'm looking with clear head. I'm the objective observer here, right? Like I'm I'm to call it down the middle. Every time you take a step back, it's like, yeah, things are going bad, but they're not that far off from turning it around pretty quickly. And so like, they need to, they need to have the mentality too of like, yes, this has sucked. We have not buried ourselves. We still have a chance to make up for these mistakes that we've made. And and like I said, if they go in and beat Maryland, everything changes. Or if they just go one and one this next stretch, like they're still in a in a perfectly fine spot, which is I don't know, man. I don't know if I've ever said that about a team that was five and eight in the Big Ten and lost three in a row, including one to Nebraska, right? Like it's just a weird year. Like and sometimes shit gets weird. And
1: this year shit's getting weird. Yeah, on a side note, you're talking about you love this this year, how the teams are just beating up. I don't, I don't like it, man. I don't like it. I want the powerhouses back. I want I, – I used to – like, I need these powerhouse teams. Like, you know, you look at it. You know, I'm looking at it. Like, when is the last time Ohio State was been that far down? Or, you know, Michigan State as well and the and the Michigans. And, the, you know, what I mean, or everybody's always – it was always a jumble at the top, you know. And, and yeah, you might have some guys at the bottom. But there was always a jumble at the top because, like, we mentioned it last week, Cause like we had so many opportunities to knock off when I was playing to knock off top 25 teams. like we were playing them one every other week you had somebody that was a top 25 team and with this year with this with the big Ten conference like yeah I don't think I'm not seeing the conference is down I just think that it's, it's just and maybe we just beat up on each other too much <laughs> because it's you look at the you know purdue's 11 and two everybody else is 11 and two in the conference and 22 everybody uh, 22 and two and, 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 and throughout the season but everybody else is on a close to Almost 10 losses, you know what I mean? Usually, you know what I mean? If somebody's at five, maybe it's six, a couple, three-loss teams, and you're ready for those big – like, you know, we don't have any in the Big Ten right now. The clashes where we're sitting there like, okay, number one versus number three. Like, we can't get – we're not getting any of that. I don't know how – I don't know how I personally feel about that because I miss – I love that. I love that even when I – you know, Penn State wasn't one of those teams, but I'm sitting there like, okay, Ohio State versus – Versus Michigan top ten battle, you know you, you you gear up and you're ready to watch it because you're watching these potential and more than likely pros go against each other at a at a high stake, you know, I mean, with high rankings and, and and they mean so much more and I and I and I hate to say it, we're not getting that this year in, a, in the Big Ten. Yeah, we're getting great battles and guys are battling against each other and like you said, the the it's tied basically from two to six all the way down two to seven as far as the the standings go, but. You know, there's nobody, there's no real battles that, you know, that I've, that I'm, I'm used to witnessing as far as the big 10 goes.
0: Yeah. And that's a good point. My counter would be that I think the conference is as good as it's ever been. There are seven teams in the top 34. Yeah. There are seven teams in the top 34 in Kenpon. Seven. Mm -hmm. Like that's 20% of the best teams in the country are Big Ten teams. <laughs> I think part of it is they're just beating up on each other. Yeah. Uh, and like the rest of the conference is not far down from that 34 mark, by the way. Oh, and, and one more note. Number 34 is that Ohio State team that's really struggling. They're just getting really unlucky. Sometimes that happens, you know, like it's crazy. It is. And that is, I think that's the the beauty of the Big Ten. By the way, I, when I say beauty, I don't mean play style, right? Like, please play mm-hmm. like five out or at least four out. Stop playing too big. Like, <laughs> this is a plea to the entire conference. This is why I enjoy watching Penn State play basketball on, under Micah Shrewsbury. I don't have to watch usually two non-shooters on the court at the same time. Uh, I hate it. That I hate. I will stand by that to the day I die. And the officiating, we've talked about that plenty, but I don't need to go on that tirade again. Uh, I think it needs to improve from all aspects. But like, there there are really good teams in this conference that like they're going to end up getting. You know, I, I know you said they have eight right in eight in right now uh, according to Mike DeCoursey. Like. They get eight in, they get nine in, they get 10 in. How many of those teams are in the Sweet 16? Three? Four? Mm Like, it, it, you know what I mean? Like, they are – these are they're really good teams. You know, Rutgers is going to get hurt losing Moat Mag. Like I said, you, you don't yeah. want to see something like that ever tearing his ACL. Awful, especially this late in the year. You know what I mean? He was having a good year uh, helping them be the, the second-best defense in the country, which let me say that one more time uh, to anyone who is, like, still reckoning with Penn State scoring 45 at Rutgers. <laughs> it's the second-best defense in the country. I don't want to double back that far, but I know this is still a point of consternation for some people. Uh, yeah, I just think, like – it's fun when teams are good and beating up on each other. I would agree with you. Like if, if it's bad basketball, like I'm not as interested in yeah. it, but I think generally it's been better again. I would just more shooting on the court
1: at all times, please. For my sake. Yeah. You know, the game should be, you know, they should be trending toward the NBA. We want more threes and more dunks. Isn't that what everybody come wants to see? <laughs> Maybe we'll get more people in the stands yes. if we shoot more threes and more dunks. No, nah, but that, at the end of the day, you got, I think the biggest thing for college, and, you know, office, this is a little off topic and a lot off, off subject, is that, you know, the guys have to learn how to play the right way. I think that, that benefited me yeah, as far as, you know, my professional career, of just knowing how to play the right way. You know, and I think in a lot of instances where we see guys that are great college players don't really have, I don't want to say not. You know, obviously, the dream is to make it to the NBA, but not really pan out or have longer careers in the NBA it's because of just the not learning how to play the correct way. You know, they only know one way, which is ISO basketball, and, and and that hurts a lot because you know, once you get to the NBA, you become now you're one of the lowest on the totem pole. Once again, you know, it's like going into college; you go in and you're as a freshman, and you have to look up to those seniors. And once you become a pro, you become a you know a rookie, and you are carrying bags and getting donuts for everybody. before, you know, uh, until you're, you know, you're all-stars. And and that's what happens. Obviously, a little off off topic, but, you know, as long as guys are learning how to play the right way, I think the game is going to be in in good hands. But obviously, you want to see things that are more fun to get people into the seats. And you want to see, as I mentioned, the top 10 clashes of, hey, number one versus number three or number one versus number five, you know, because obviously that brings a lot of attention to the program, and it's good basketball to see pros go against pros. And, and you know, and for our case, a lot of it, you know, especially in the Big Ten, is a lot of rivalries. You know, you see a lot of rivalries where, you know, there are top ten teams going against each other.
0: Yeah, and and I think uh, the point you bring up is a good one, right? Like, uh, iso ball can't be it, right? Like, and even in the NBA, like, it's not it, – like, in the playoffs, you get into a little more, like, teams just run pick and roll to the death To, uh, you know, to their death, till they get the matchup they want. And like this, this is also part of what I really appreciated uh, last night with Penn State. Connor Sejan for Wisconsin is undersized. Uh, They kept getting, they kept having Funk set a ball screen for Pickett, getting a Sejan switched on to Pickett and Pickett would attack and try and finish around the rim, right? Like now Mm -hmm. some of the shots didn't fall. Like that is tough. Right. Like it's he had an off night. He was eight of 19 from the floor. Not what you want to see. But I think that's part of the modern basketball that Mike is bringing. Right? Like he saw a matchup that he yeah. wanted to go after. So they just kept going after it and they yeah. went after it time and time and time and time again. Uh and I I thought their overtime shots I was looking at it uh, after I'd finished my story last night and like it's a thing of beauty it's a thing of analytical beauty I should say so it's a thing of beauty to me uh there were only shots like in the semicircle and from mm-hmm. 3 like that was yeah. it that was the only those were the only shots they took now they didn't fall like they just got cooled from deep in overtime which sucks for them but like it is like Oh, yeah, this is, like, the perfect shot chart. And, like, it's funny, if you compare the first half, there were a lot more, like, 18-footers mixed in there when the offense wasn't playing well. And the second half, it started to look more like overtime when they started to, you know what I mean, really get the most high-efficiency shots possible, which I think is, like, going to be a positive with this program as long as Micah Shrewsbury's there. They're going to prioritize efficiency. They're going to prioritize scoring as many points as quickly as they can, and that is by targeting those high-efficiency shots. So uh, I think, like... You know, this has been fairly doom and gloomy, right? Like it hasn't been fun. To it's not been a fun conversation, I'm sure, but like it's a necessary one. But I do think yeah. there is still reason to believe in this in this team. Uh, I, I don't think like it's it's all dead. Uh, could be in a week. <laughs> like, no way, no way around that. It might be dead in a week. But like right now, like it's still like it's still all out there. We've seen plenty of teams in the past. Like I've been following college basketball for a long time. This is my fifth year covering a Big Ten team. I would like to cover the NCAA tournament at some point. Uh, I've yeah. covered I covered an Indiana team that didn't make it. Now four years covering Penn State and them not making it. I would mm-hmm. like to cover an NCAA tournament, but we've seen plenty of teams suck in late January and early February, and then mid-February turn it around, go on a run, they make the tournament. It happens yeah. every year. Penn State could be that team. They also could finish uh, five and fifteen in Big Ten play. I'm not going to roll that out either. Like it is, this is the this is going to be an inflection point. We talk about it. There are a lot of them throughout a season. This could be one of them, and it probably will be one of them. So. I think it's going to be really interesting to watch. I am uh, eager to see how Saturday plays out. I think it's going to be a big-time response opportunity. But I think that's a good place to leave it this week. Yeah. You can, of course, follow Tim and I on Twitter. Uh, Tim, TimPhrase23, me, at John Sauber. Uh, you can find this podcast wherever you're currently listening to it or if you're watching it on YouTube. at uh, On YouTube, it's BeyondBig1010, ten, ten, written out one zero 0 uh, On Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, at beyondthebig Ten. Uh, You can find us there. Uh, Ask us questions if you've got them. Reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, We we would love to answer your questions about this program. I think it's a really interesting time to take some of those questions, too. Uh, But that'll do it for this week. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day. Beyond the Big Ten is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go-to resource for all things Big Ten. We cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex-players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go-to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. Hosted by ex-Big Ten players, media, and insiders, our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most
1: talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now.